Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. Today we're talking basketball. Raging Cajun basketball with longtime Cajun fan Mike Gaybear. How are you this morning, Mike? I'm doing well. Uh, looking forward to discussing some victories. Uh, those are always fun. And looking forward to the next couple of games, which we'll have Wednesday and Saturday, which hopefully the winning streak continues. Before we get started, I want to mention something. Uh, Longtime Cajun fan, Don Brown, known as Crawfish and Raging Cajun, suddenly passed away about a week ago. Uh, he was a huge Cajun basketball fan. He, in the Jesse Evans years, he traveled with the team. People are not, he was not a UL grad, he was a Lamar grad, but he became a huge fan living in the city for many years, and his, and he, his children have UL degrees. Um, and I know basketball was his favorite sport. He moved back to the area a couple of years ago after retiring from Halliburton. He had lived all over the world the last 10 years when he left Lafayette. Uh, you know, when you work in all field service industry, you do a lot of traveling. And so just uh, my uh, condolences to the Don's family. And Don did say, if you wish to honor his memory, uh, you know, a contribution to the basketball program would be appreciated. Not Don, his wife said that, his late wife said that. Or, excuse me, his widow. He's, he's His widow's still here. Sort of shook up there. Well, no, no. Thanks, Mike. I, I did not know that. And I, 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 I'm I sure I've met Don somewhere through th through uh, sports. So thank you for sharing that. do appreciate that very much. Uh, it, it seems like, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I, I look at it a little different as I get older, that you tend to see the people that are passing around you as as peers and friends and and you kind of think about your own immortality at some point so or yes, mortality you, appre you appreciate every day and you know in don's case you know he was completely healthy uh was not sure what happened but apparently he just collapsed at his home unexpectedly uh, but you know when it's your time it's your time but it makes me appreciate every day i'm here on this earth and the good friends and family i get to enjoy it with Absolutely, absolutely. I don't have any kids, but I have uh, I have four nieces or three nephews and a niece, and I have eight great nephews and nieces. So I'm enjoying my time with them. So yeah, please do so. Appreciate it. You know, one day yeah. you won't be able to do that. So, Mike, uh, Arkansas State comes into town, and before we can even get started, boom, the power goes out at the Cajun Dome. Games moved to uh, a Friday afternoon. Um, uh, jump right in, I guess, yeah. is your, your right thoughts on that? I, a friend and I, and I walked in and we looked around and we said, Hey, everybody in here is a retired person, you know, with people would work school, that type of thing. But as the evening went along, you saw more people come on in probably, you know, as work ended and they got, got the least to see part of the game. Unfortunately, some people who have, um, family and friends involved with high school basketball couldn't make it. But as it turned out, you know, I wasn't, I was surprised that actually as many people showed up on a Friday afternoon to support the team and they definitely do deserve our support but the game starts and I'm concerned a little bit by the way before the game even starts I learned that Landon Fields is not going to play and um but uh, Hardy's going to play but you know he's coming off a concussion so I wonder how many minutes he's going to play and I'm thinking eight guys and we've been doing this but you know what um one guy coming off a concussion another guy who's been playing is sick he's got the flu or we're going to have a foul trouble issue. And early on, I'm concerned right away because within the first four or five minutes, you know, media timeout, Joe and Hosanna Quintana both get two fouls. And, of course, I'm panicking, thinking, oh, are we going to end up having to pull a red shirt to play with Ford in the last couple of minutes of the game if this continues? Fortunately, that did not happen. 
but then you know it's uh, it's pretty much even in our first few minutes. I think it's seven six, and Cantrell hits a couple of threes, one in transition, and I love transition threes because mainly the defense can't set up and you don't have to call a play. Uh, and he's you know pretty good on that, and he gets one out of a call play, and we've got a thirteen seven lead, and we never lose it. But I'm happy, but I'm still concerned that we only have uh, eight guys. Were you concerned about that issue at that point? You know, I was. Uh, uh, I felt a little bit better because if the game would have been played Thursday night, Fields and Hardy would not have played. They were scheduled to be out, so it kind of helped the Cajuns. But my understanding is it might have helped the Red Wolves as, as well with the depth of their bench. But yes, uh, especially with the quick fouls on Katinje and Hardy, uh, and when we get to the second half, I'm going to talk more. No, I said Hardy. Um, Joe Charles, uh, I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that when we when we talk about the second half in the end of the game. But yes, Mike, uh, it, 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 even though these guys, I think they're getting valuable player playing minutes for the as we make this run towards the end of the season. But at the same time, it's it, it's not good when your starters are are getting in foul trouble early, especially the first two minutes of the game. And usually, you sit a guy for the entire half if he's got two fouls couldn't do that in this situation but despite that the Cajuns got a semi what I call a semi comfortable lead for most of the half you know five to eight points uh where Hosanna is scoring a little bit inside um, actually there's pretty balanced scoring everybody's scoring um Joe's getting some rebounds but I did notice this the reason in the middle part of the first half the Cajuns were not able to separate was Hosanna and Joe were playing very smart. If a guy got a shot at the basket, they made sure not to foul. Did you notice that as well? Yes. I even mentioned that to the guy sitting next to me. I said, I like this. I said, I understand we're giving up an easy basket. It's probably very frustrating to a lot of fans. But at the same time, we're keeping our guys in the game. And and we're going to need that at the end of the game. So, yes. Yes, We're scoring and they're scoring. But then towards the end of the half, the Cajuns were able to squeeze the Wolves on defense. Uh, you know, I guess not as worried about the fouls at that point. You know, we have good help inside. And let me explain that a little bit. When help comes inside, it means the ball goes inside and Joe will leave his man or somebody else and will double, triple, trill the guy and make it tough to get the pass back out because he's not going to try to go up against two or three people. And our guys are really good at recovering from the double or triple and getting back to their man. You know, there's going to be an open guy. So that's called rotations. It's called help. Uh, you make the opponent make two, three extra passes. And in that case, we were able to get some turnovers at that point. And if not, turnovers force a really tough shot. So we're able to um, separate a little bit. In the last four minutes and a half, we outscored the mate to two to get a 13-point lead. And, of course, the Wolves helped us a little bit. They struggled at the line to hold game. But they missed a couple at that point of the game as well. Uh, so... Another thing that happened at the end of the half, you know, they held, um, is it Caleb Fields? I know it's Fields. Caleb, I think his first name, only two points, and he's one of their better players. And a couple of things also happened. Um, the Cajuns had to be happy with the rebounding of Kyron Radliff. You know, I think it was his best rebounding game of the year. He scored a little bit in the first half as well on some nice passes. So, you know, good to see some of the bench help when we were in trouble with the, um, the foul situation. And, you know, we're up 13. And I feel pretty good. I said, okay, we're not really, we managed the fouls okay. 
Kobe Julian didn't play his best. He got a couple of baskets, but you know, I, I thought he could have played better and we're still up 13 and I'm, and I'm feeling pretty good at that point. Yeah. I, I, I wrote these numbers down and I did not put the time that they came out, but when Kintinje went out, we had a four point lead. When he came back in, we had a nine point lead. And when the half ended to your point, you said a 13 point lead. So very happy with the play of the, the whole team, not just anyone in particular, but the whole team stepped up at that point when our guys went out. And that's the thing that's going to carry us into the tournament and on into the tournament, hopefully far. Yeah, everybody needs to contribute. So uh, we're feeling pretty good. Yeah. Second half starts. The strong defense we had in the first half continues, and we extend a little bit more. I think we get up to 19-point lead. It was a huge play where uh, we missed a shot and turned it over, and, and Kobe stole an inbounds pass, not inbounds, a pass near the sideline, turned around and knocked in a three. Huge play. He made a great steal, knocked it in. Like I said, he was so-so in the first half. And then the Wolves try to um, stop Contange. We know we're throwing the ball into him. He's getting doubled. I think one possession, there was three fouls, and they were doubling him. And what was happening in the double is the guy coming around was slapping him on the on the arm instead of tr- while he's trying to get the ball. I think the refs had to call the fouls. It, you know, it, it frustrated the um, bench of the Wolves. A couple of times I thought they deserved a technical. Didn't call it. Finally got one. Did you notice that? The, the coach was pretty demonstrative. Yeah, he he's uh, he's a big, big man in. And he can get loud, and uh, and I get all that, and that's all good. I mean, but yeah, it, it, it's uh, uh, it was. I thought it was uh, to your point. I thought it was a, a little late coming, and I thought uh, you he really could have got another one right after that. But yeah, I think I think it's good for the refs to to not let the game get out of control like that, and uh, and keep, the coaches are there for a reason, unless unless they're really. Uh, to your uh, to to cursing or anything like that, I, I I think part of their job is to to try to keep the refs in check. Yeah, sometimes coaches will purposely get a technical because they'll think I, the, they fight they'll show their team they're fighting for their team and make the team play a little harder. In this particular case, case as the game ended up being pretty close to the end, I'm not sure it was a smart move because I don't think the refs actually started calling move for Arkansas State at that point. They called it as they saw it. And those two points that we made at the free throw line, I think, and trails the one and knocked them in, were critical. Yes. Yeah. You know, in a tight game, every point counts. So, yeah, that, it's a fine line. If I were a coach, and even when I was um, coaching bitty basketball, my assistant coach is the one who got the technicals because <laughs> because I, I believe, you know, I, I'm not giving free points. But anyway, so well, we, that was positive, but it doesn't stay that way. Well, it, it was a 14-point lead at, uh, at that time when he did it. Now, it took them uh, quite a bit to, to, to get that, that down quite a bit later. So, you, to your point, I'm not sure how much it helped them because eight minutes almost went by before they started making their run. So, I'm not sure it helped his team to show at that point. Well, so, the lead got up to 19. We talked about uh, Kobe's big play and talked about Radley rebounding the first half. There was a play – that I really got encouraged about. They actually ran a post up for him, just like they do for Katanje, and he scored. So, man, we, we need to do that more when he's in the game, just use him. So, so Lee gets to 19. And I've said before, you know, to me, 16 is sort of a critical number. And we got to 19. I said, they're going to make a run. 
but we probably could hold them off with exactly what happened. They actually made an 11 to nothing run, and it started pretty innocently. Where Cajuns had a couple open shots that they'd been making, and they didn't knock them down. Wolves make a couple of open shots that, you know, two threes all of a sudden, and they didn't make many threes, but it made two in a row at that point, and at least down to five, and it's a ball game all the way to the end. Uh, and then they start pressing us. And then, you know, Kobe didn't have any fouls in the first half. He had four in a row, and he had to go in and out along with Joe. And uh, I think that's critical when teams press us because Kobe's a key guy getting the ball on the sideline against the press, and he can drive it to the basket. So he's coming in and out. He's out of rhythm a little bit. And, you know, and the league gets, what, the four? But they never cut it to less than four, and that's critical because if they cut to less than four, it becomes a one-possession game. It, it um, yeah, I'm sorry. I, 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 I got sidetracked here looking at something and had something else in my head, but yeah, the, it, and we kind of talked about that too with my friends. You keep it at four, it's still a two possession game the whole time. And then you're able to, to, to scoot out to a little bit bigger lead, hopefully by making free throws. Yeah, and I forget there was a critical play in the Wolves' favor. Forget which player uh, for the Cajuns got the foul called on him. Maybe Garnett, where the Wolves guy made a great shot. Forget who it was. It wasn't Fields, and it knocked in um, a three-pointer and got fouled. And he made the free throw. They didn't make many free throws of the night, but they made one there, so they got four points. So that may have been the lead going from eight to four. Uh, and then think about the presses when you're scoring. Teams can't press you, but then when you're struggling a little bit, they can press you. When they're scoring, then they can press. And, you know, they made that three. They made a couple of threes. And, and we dribble too much against the press. And we need to pass it more. Coach Moreland said that in postgame. And uh, we've done that in previous games. And when Kobe's in there, we really break the press pretty well. And people need to notice that. Joe also tried to dribble a couple of times. And uh, I don't know if you're going in and out of games, the foul trouble sometimes it can affect your rhythm. So been talking about a few negatives here at the end, but the lead never got to less than four. But, you know, the game was one of the line. Kobe and Timus, folks, Timus didn't score many from the field in that game. But he was money at the line. And I call that basically being mentally tough. You have to make him in order to win the game. And the way to do that is you have to do basically muscle memory, where the stress, the pressure of the situation is something you don't even think about. You've done it so many times, your muscle memory comes into play. And I know the Cajuns do this where they do things in practice, like a lot of teams, you know, goes around the horn where they got five, six guys different shooting at a different basket and everyone's got to make it. And if there's a miss, everybody runs. That's the only way you can simulate the practice of a game. And having to run is not the same thing as having to lose a game because of your team. So great job of the line, strong, mentally tough performance by the kids. And we put it away at the line. You know, you talked about that, uh, uh, the line there. Uh, 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 this is including the next game. We, you know, we we end up, between the two games, we end up going 34 for 41, 83%. Uh, in, in four out of our last five games, we shoot 80, 80% from the free throw line. In six out of the last seven, 75% from the line or better. And nine out of our last 11 games, 75% from the line or better. So that was a little bit of a concern coming into the seat or early on in the season for me. I I'm hoping that is all settled down and our guys continue. One guy that I really, until I looked at his stats and I was kind of shocked 
you know, we praise Joe Charles a lot on this show, rightfully so. I didn't think he was shooting the free throw very well, but, you know, he's at almost 79% for free throw shooting. So yeah, I'm going to apologize to Joe, you know, on here. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, you might be with the very last season. He was barely 50%. He was slightly above 50%, and he's improved greatly. And I've heard some quotes from the players in post-game interviews about uh, their free throw shooting and how much they uh, emphasize it, not only in practice, that the team recognizes that it's an important part of the game. You said their last couple, the two games here was 83%. College teams, generally, if they can shoot slightly above 70, that's considered fairly good. Pro teams want to be around 80, 85. So we're shooting pretty much at a professional level in the last two games, so that's very encouraging. So, you know, if, if you'd have told me, though, uh, you know, one of the things that I look at is I and I know it's not fair to, to anybody else, but my, my kind of I felt to the beginning of the season and it hasn't always been that way. But I felt for the for this team to be successful, uh, Joe being uh, Joe, Joe Charles and Kobe Julian needed to c- combine them for about 30 points a game. And that's exactly what they had in this game. So, but uh, two forwards, right? Yeah, yeah. And the Hosanna had a pretty decent game too, from what I recall. Yeah, he had thirteen points, uh, eight rebounds. That's a good number for him. Let me ask you this, though, and and this is purely speculation, but um, you know, we 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 talked about earlier that London Phils had the flu. Katinje had the the flu earlier uh, a couple weeks ago, and it seems to be going around a little bit. Uh, do you think maybe a little bit of a bug for Joe Charles because it's unlike him to foul out like that without any blocks or any any steals? It would you not know? surprise me. It would not surprise me because in Sunday's game during the timeouts and he was playing hard. Yeah, you know, he wasn't having his best game offensively, but I saw him leaning over and having hands on his knees, and that's usually indicative of you're tired. And uh, it, it could be, you know, he. May not have the full-fledged flu, but he may have a little bug. And and that and that's kind of my thoughts. And we're not medical doctors, so don't anybody yell at us. But you know, I, I, and I'm not trying to make excuses for the young man because he, I, I'll take a a 75% Joe Charles over no Joe Charles, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Well, you know, back to the game summary. The free throws were the story of the game. The Cajuns did great. Uh, Wolves not so great. Why, I don't know. They were shooting 70% for the season, and they shot 50% in this game. Uh, they made some critical ones, though, you know, when they made their run. But then it got to the last two minutes. You know, they missed a couple, too. That could have helped them. Uh, so, now, people say, well, if the Wolves had made a higher percentage of free throws, maybe they would have won the game. Perhaps so, but you don't know that, you know. The offensive play you call may be a little different if the game's a little closer. You may Your style may change if the score's different. Because uh, we would seem to be running clock a little bit, and you know we talked about uh, Contenje help not Contenje um, Radliff helping Contenje off the bench. The Wolves had a guy named Todd he had a great game, came in off the bench with twenty three points. He kept them in the game. Uh, I'd like to see that happen. Maybe one of our key guys having a maybe you know double figure game. You know may not go happen that often without Butler on the team anymore. But we need a spot play people. And I wonder if the foul trouble and having only eight guys and having the people going in and out on minutes may have affected us late in the game, too. Maybe fatigue became a factor. Maybe, maybe not. But anyway, uh, you win and you move on. Um, Swept the Wolves. Uh, that could be important for seeding, you know, as the season progresses and we get into the conference tournament. 
So, so it, uh, it was not playing on Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was very unique. Uh, I kind of enjoyed my Sunday afternoon in the Cajun Dome. I was able to get a lot done on Saturday, though, and uh, I kind of enjoyed, you know, a Sunday, uh, a relaxing Sunday afternoon there, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I had things that were going to be – I was going to make the game Saturday, but I had other things that I needed okay. to work around. So it worked out well for me too. And I had a friend who said the 12 noon start was probably ideal. Not great for people like to go to church. One might have been better. But a friend of mine said, you know, uh, NFL was having their, the Chiefs and the Ravens to kick off at 2, so maybe 12 was the ideal time. And so, so we ready, ready to go to the Texas State game. I know we beat them handily the first game. Uh, I was sort of worried about, you know, are we going to take them lightly? And I don't think we did just because the way the first game went. I noticed um, some of the coaches talking to uh, Hosanna Katanji's family before the game. And the game starts, and Hosanna's uh, pretty excited to have family in the stands. And his play causes early timeout. I think he scores a basket, gets a couple free throws, gets an assist. So he's responsible for the first strict six points. And the Cats call an early timeout. Uh, and Hosanna's looking up on the stands of the family there. It's sort of a cute thing to see. But, of course, that's not going to be maintained. Um, the Cats respond, you know, it's a close game for much of the first half. And two early fouls on Brandon Love, who didn't play at all in the first game against the Cajuns. He's their inside player, pretty good um, rim protector. So he's coming in and out of the game. And to be honest, those two early fouls got him out of start. I don't think he was affected most of the game. Uh, so sort of a normal first half, you know, with sort of each team filling each other out. Then uh, about halfway the first half, the Cajuns employ their 1-2-2 press. They get maybe one or two turnovers. They don't stay that long. But it is effective because it makes the Cats burn time. And, you know, they like to take a lot of time before they shoot anyway. But now they've only got, you know, 18 seconds or whatever to run their offense instead of 25. And it makes them play fast as they want. Uh, game speeds up a little bit. It's sort of sloppy. When Kobe had a block after the one of the uh, Bobcats got a steal off Thomas, going to the basket, and Kobe blocked it at the rim, you know, and I think we scored on the way back. You know, we open up the what eight nine point lead, something like that. Yeah, yeah. We, I the, thought the, I thought the the block was huge on Kobe's part. He came back down on 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 a I thought which was a breakaway, and I was I was getting very frustrated that we we were not uh, getting back on defense. We were giving them easy baskets at that point, so. I like the block big time. Yeah, you talk about the give them easy baskets. Okay, we were now one two two press, then they finally start to handle it. They get it across the court a little faster. And they run their offense. It looked like the old Texas State uh offense a couple of times when Casper was there. They got a couple of backdoor layups. Apparently that was addressed at halftime by the coaches and didn't really happen in the second half. So we were a little sloppy because their half court defense as well, you know, where we didn't score like we should have. Uh, but it's still, it's a six-point lead at halftime, third and 24. And I'm thinking, uh, we're still in good shape because they're having trouble scoring against us, even though we're a little sloppy here. And uh, I bet the easy, ba the easy basket they did score won't happen as much in the second half. And I was right, you know, uh, you know how we, we have the opposite tradition where we stand until the opponent scores. Most teams stand until you score. Uh, sort of spur our defense. Everybody was still standing. At, uh, there were actually two timeouts. That, uh, we had uh, scored the first six points and a half uh, with 16 and a half minutes to go. The Cats called timeout. 
and then we're still standing and then uh it we're still standing in the media timeout you know a few seconds later because they haven't scored we scored the first eight so that a six point lead becomes 14 and i'm feeling pretty good at that point uh, we talked about the rotations in the uh, game against arkansas state they were outstanding even better here you know with love out of the game because of foul trouble he got his third early and a half when they did throw it inside you know, we really smothered them and made it tough for them to score. The few baskets they scored were generally on mid-range shots. Uh, so you had to be impressed with that defense in the first few minutes of the second half yourself, I imagine. I thought uh, I thought the, the the first few minutes, to your point, of the first, uh, the second half was was great basketball for the game. The thing that part that 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 gets me here that I absolutely loved about it. And now part of this is the way Texas state plays also and the way we held them though, also to 46 points, they only had two fast break points and five second chance points. So, and then not, and then 28 of their 46 points came in the paint. So it means on the perimeter, they only scored 16 points, which I think was the idea of the, the, the team to run them off the three point line. To, to, to force them inside where uh, we felt we had the advantage. So Yeah, we could I, we could trap, and basically what they did score was mid-range. And I love the mid-range shot, but if that's all you can do, then you're not going to win the game. You have to get some threes and uh, score the basket. You know, the Cajuns at that point, you know, they continue to extend the lead. There was a stretch there where Kobe's had three or four baskets, taking his man off the dribble. They obviously couldn't guard him, you know. Uh, a little later, he thought he was uh, on a hot streak. He checked, took a couple of threes that were a little quick, I thought. Uh, but then, you know, the game goes on, and Brandon Love gets his fourth foul. His backup gets hurt, and they're really in trouble. Uh, they have four consecutive turnovers. You know, the, you know what happens to them at that point? They were trying to play too fast. They knew they were behind. They were trying to actually get to the basket quick, and that's just not their game. And uh, you know, they really had no chance. And, we ran the shot clock down too at some of those possessions because you know we have the lead, it's double figure lead. Shout out to Timas folks, you know, he, twice he hit shots at the end of the shot clock. Uh, I'm going to talk about him in the game sermon in a minute. And uh, the one negative is the late when they did presses again, just like in the Arkansas gate game, we were a little sloppy with it. Need to pass the ball more and not dribble it as much. But a lot of positives in the second half. You like you, you talked about the defense. You know, uh, they scored 46 points, right? 66-46 was the final? Yes. Yeah. The only team that's held them to fewer points than that this season is the Houston Cougars. Now, part of it's Texas, the way Texas State plays. Some games have scored in the 50s and 60s. Uh, and the Cougars have won at Texas last night. They've Even in the Big 12, they're showing that they're uh, a national power. So no embarrassment losing to Houston by any means. So... Some of the other stats you talked about earlier uh, uh, about the defense being so effective, the Cats only had two threes. You know, threes are not their game, but you know they want to still shoot 15 and make five, six, something like that, but only two. You're not going to win any many games making only two threes. And they had 20 turnovers. A lot of that because the Cajuns squeezed them. And when they didn't turn over because the Cajuns was pressured, they were playing too fast. Yeah. And of those 20 turnovers, 10 of them were steals by the Cajuns. It wasn't one of those that they uh, an errant pass that went out of bounds or off of somebody's foot. This was steals by the Cajun, three of them for Joe Charles, which I think he must have been feeling a little better because three steals versus no steals, 
five personal fouls versus only one in this game, moving his feet better, 13 rebounds. You know, how, how you know, towards the end of the game, you're right, Kobe seemed to have the hot hand, and you thought he was about to go off. And then all of a sudden, I, it, quietly but not quietly, because you mentioned at the end of a shot clock, hitting a, a shot by Themis Fox, and all of a sudden Themis Fox jumps up and has 23 points for the game as a high scorer. Uh, let's talk about Themis a little bit. The reason he scored well because he had good footwork. Uh, on those three-pointers, he had his feet together, pointed to the basket, which allowed him to get good rotation on the ball. You know how sometimes the shots sort of flat and usually won't go in? When that happens, it's, it's almost like a bowling shot, but your ball's got to spin to actually have pin action. And his shot was rotating well. He reminded me of his game against uh, our South Alabama in the conference finals last year. And he also used the glass well. You know, when he was driving, sometimes he gets caught in the middle, doesn't know where to pass to. That happened a couple of times, but he actually got to the into the lane and got a little angle where he could bank a shot in. So uh, we did, we needed more assists, but part of it is the way the Cats defended Timus when he drove. They basically got off his passing angles, basically forcing him to shoot the ball. So I, and I like the fact that he stepped back and took that mid range. I mean, he, he he's playing smarter. Yeah, mid mid range off the glass. The glass is your friend. Yes. So. Uh, so there's a lot of positives in this game. The turnovers need to go down. Uh, we need to have more assists, but, you know, some of that with two things. Kobe was having success driving to the goal, what they call a take. And, uh, you know, you're not going to get an assist. And I, th- I thought about this the other day. Well, what is an assist? If people don't know, it's a pass at least directly to a basket. So generally, if you make a pass and a guy takes zero or one dribble, it's going to be an assist. Sometimes if he takes two dribbles, it may or may not be, depending on the situation, sort of subjective. If you take three dribbles, it's really not an assist. So sometimes, you know, when the ball gets inside the contingent, a good pass is made, and they won't get an assist because he'll back his man down, and he'll score. Uh, speaking of him, and we talked about his family, I was really happy to see his offensive rebounds. Uh, a couple of tip-ins, actually, were, were nice touch on the tip-ins. Uh, another thing, too, when you take a good shot, even if you miss, you increase the odds of an offensive rebound because it may be a softer uh, bounce off the glass, allowing your guy to put it back in. We we talked about that also. We we find that he's not, he, he it seemed like early on in the season he was coming down with the rebound and putting the ball on the floor before he went back up. It seems to me like he he's much quicker now with that second uh, that second chance opportunity at his shot. In six offensive rebounds and four by Joe Charles, that that's that's big numbers right there for us, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, we could play Texas State ten times, and you know Brandon Love can't play more than uh, effectively. They can't win. And for second game in a row, uh, we held Mason in pretty much in check, I believe. Yeah, he had only six points. He's their leading scorer, and I think in the game in uh, San Marcos, he had a similar number. Yeah, it was very small. I don't remember the exact number, but you're right. Um, yeah, they only had one guy in double figures, Dawson, and he's usually like their third scorer. So great job defensively by the Cajuns. Um, a lot of positive to say about that, you know. Team of scoring, Katanji knocking balls in, Kobe taking the ball off the glass, ball to the rim. You know, they, they call it take. Basically, you're taking your man off the dribble, and you, and you they couldn't stop him. Uh, I, I wish he would have done that a little more at the end of the game. I think he got a little three happy. But, you know, 
So not many negatives. Um, you, you, what, what's your overall uh, final thoughts about that game? Uh, like I say, I just um, I'm happy we out rebounded them by nine. Uh, we knew coming into the year that th that was going to be a challenge, basically for the Cajuns. Uh, but it, it, you know, 40 rebounds in the game for us, which uh, the last two games, 40 rebounds, 39, 40, and 40, our last three games, which are some of our higher numbers. We had 41 at Rice, and then 45 against Louisiana College. So if you see, if you look at numbers purely from the rebounding standpoint, there, uh, three three big games for the Cajuns, and probably three big reasons that the Cajuns won all three games. Yep, the rebounding is definitely improving. Someone, Trent, this is a sort of exaggeration. So at the beginning of the season, we were struggling because we weren't getting much out of Hosanna. Now we're winning because of his play. You, you know, that's, what, that's just, one of the factors, but it's not the complete factor. You know, one of the things that it's a little bit surprising to me because you know Hosanna came out so hot. And, you know, he, he was five for nine from the field. He played 33 minutes. It felt like he had more than 13 points. See, by the way, but 66, 66 is all they scored. So, yeah, but, you know, and, and, and we help, we hold them to 46 points and then Julian and Fultz combined for 42 for us. So that, that's good defense, good ball play. And you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys that score again. Uh, not as much from Radcliffe this time, but uh, Ratliff. I'm sorry, gotta stop saying Radcliffe. Yeah. But uh, uh, Hardy coming off uh, concussion protocol and uh, Fields coming off the flu. I I'm just glad that they were available if we needed them. Yeah, there's a huge difference with nine players versus eight players. You don't necessarily nearly as concerned about the foul trouble. But, you know, the rebounding is, you talk about that's been a positive lately. It's improved. Could still get better. Uh, our next opponent is a pretty good rebounding team. We play ULM on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. There's no doubleheader. Uh, ULM has won three straight, so I sort of ignore their season statistics because they've played so much better in the last three games than they did earlier. Uh, a little over a week ago, they won at Old Dominion. You know, it's a close game. They, they uh, pulled away at the end. Then they came home and they beat South Alabama. South Alabama has been struggling since the Cajuns beat them, maybe Cajuns show the league how to handle them. And uh, Warhawks had a 20-point lead. They ended up winning by 14. And then they came, uh, play, had to play Sunday because of the issue with uh, the, the power at the Dome. Affected ULM as well. And they were 16 points down, uh, 14 and a half. They fight back. Uh, they sent it in the overtime. In overtime, um, Arkansas State, you know, has been making free throws this game, but they missed a couple critical late in the game. And there's an and one that actually uh, gives the Warhawks the lead in overtime, and then it's tied. And with a few seconds to go, one of their guys shoots up a shot at the end of the shot clock, three-pointer, missed it so bad he made it. I mean, it's complete luck, shot off the glass. But uh, anyway, still, they win. You give them credit. The reason they played so much better last three games because they played through the, their center, guy number four, Nico, and he's got like 15 letters after M-E-T-Z. <laughs> I can't say his name, so I just call him Nico Metz. Uh, he's All right. 11 and 6, but against uh, Arkansas State, he had 24 and 10. Uh, for some reason, he didn't start that game. Uh, he's a uh, fifth-year senior. I don't know where he transferred from. I need to look that up, but he's from Georgia, not the state of Georgia, the country of Georgia. We uh, we always joke during the Olympics that the uh, – the, uh, 
the state of Texas is pissed off, wanted to know how Georgia is a country and not Texas. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so European guy there, you know, uses his feet and body well. Their best guard, I think, played last year for ULM is Tyreek LeClure. He averages 10 points and three assists. You know, their stats are pretty even, but again, I, you know, but I think they got outscored by six. They scored 67, gave up 73, but that's definitely not been the case in their last three games since this, uh, I just call him Nico <laughs> guy. has been playing so well. Yeah, he played at two different junior colleges before he uh, uh, came to ULM. Yeah, I know he's shown as a senior on the uh, – their website yes okay and sometimes it takes junior college guys a while i always say right around the conference play times when you want them to start contributing uh and that's sort of how the case with hosanna you know he played one year at, at coastal carolina his last two years were in well one year he uh, was injured another year last year he played in junior college but the most notable stat for ulm is that their opponents have shot 200 more threes than they have so they don't hunt the three. They're another team that shoots the mid-range, sort of like Texas State. Even in an uh, overtime win against Arkansas State, you know, when they made one late, and that was a lucky one. It was off the glass. They only shot 13. Most teams are around, you know, 20 to 25 threes per game. Uh, but I talked about their rebounding. The Nico guy has six rebounds a game, they, but they out-rebound their opponents by five, 40 to 35. Uh, the team rebound. There's several guys averaging three to four rebounds a game. So that'll be critical for us to improve on rebounding and continue our recent improvement. I did notice one thing in our recent game is Kobe Julian has been rebounding the ball better from a small forward spot. And uh, Joe has been rebounding the ball well all season. Hosanna is doing it better too, where, like you said, he's not under the basket as much. He's getting better position. But if you watch the cage, I've noticed that sometimes t- what our guys are doing sometimes is they can't grab the rebound. They're going up. They're actually t- tipping it up or batting it, but not necessarily batting it out to the opponent, batting it straight up where they can maybe get it on the second shot. And if you sometimes you can't jump as high as someone else, that's a way to actually prevent an offensive rebound. Uh, so watch Kobe if you're at the game, you know, where he, he's rebounding better because he's actually able to basically, he's tipping it to himself. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I see that a lot. I mean, I think uh, a lot of that comes from, um, I'd like to think he comes from Joe Charles because he does a great job not only tipping it up, but tipping it out to one of our players. So, and sometimes I don't think he gets credit for the rebound because it, it you have to really be looking to watch him. It's a very subtle tip that goes, and it, it could almost look like it just went off his hand instead of uh, to, instead of him tipping it. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a category oftentimes in basketball that I don't see it as much in boxers, but called team rebound. I mean, you got it, but you don't know who to distribute it to. And that's that kind yeah. of situation. So we'll need to continue to do that against the, the ULM. Now, ULM does turn over more than their opponents by two, and they get outscored points off turnovers by, by four per game. And the Cajuns usually have the advantage in that regard against most teams. They usually, even if they turn it over because they like to play fast, they usually get more points off turnovers than their opponents. So that'll be something to watch. So let's let's rebound and uh, even with them and force more turnovers and, we'll ha- and make a few threes. We'll have a good, good chance on Wednesday night. But – you know, early in the season, people were just scouting ULM as an automatic win. I don't think you can do that. You know, that win Old Dominion gave them a lot of confidence, and they're going to come in here thinking they can win. They always do. Uh, before we move on from this game, though, Mike, I, I do want to give a little bit of shout-out to the league office, ULM, and Texas State. Uh, if we were doing playing Marshall or Old Dominion, it prob- that game probably would have just been canceled. 
we wouldn't have been able to move it. But the league and the other two teams worked with the Cajuns to uh, to to get that back on uh, to get to, to to allow all all both games to be played. So by moving and ULM agreeing to moving it to Sunday, and Texas State happened to be coming from Troy and they were busting this way. So it really worked out with the four teams that were playing that 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 weekend. So shout out to the league because sometimes we don't have the same officials. You had to get new, you know, you might have to get new officials. So I mean, just there's there's a lot more to it than just what happened with the Cajuns and uh, 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 Arkansas State agreeing to stay overnight and uh, Texas State coming in a day later. So just just a little shout out there. Yeah, there's a lot more that goes into these. replacement uh, or you know reschedule games that maybe fans realize a friend of mine says he learned that a one of the officials who called the game friday and was what they stayed in town over thursday night had a game in mississippi state on saturday so you couldn't play friday and saturday you didn't have any officials assigned right so you have to wait to get out of a lot goes into those type of situations hopefully we won't have that issue this week hope we play ulm on wednesday well if we do we can play always play on thursday i guess uh, but that was a fluke situation. But then the, the uh, Jags come into town, USA, South Alabama, on Saturday night. Uh, they play at Texas State Thursday night, so watch them on the ESPN Plus if you like. The Cajuns, remember, they were playing well. They just beaten Troy. Cajuns played a really good game against Alabama. That seems to have sent them in the tailspin. I notice that happens sometimes where some teams figure out how to beat you and the rest of the league copies it. That may be what happened. Because a lot of teams now are out of rebounding uh, the Jags. Uh, they went to ULM after us, and, you know, the Warhawks handled them pretty easily. Then they went to a rivalry game at Troy this past weekend. As usual, that game went down to the wire. Uh, it was at Troy. So, but Alabama may got a, a little better. They, they only lost by four. But as the Cajuns did, ULM and Troy beat them both in the glass. Remember, we talked about they've got a guy named Gator who was a transfer from Assumption. In one of our previous episodes, he's a left-hander. Well, he's been in a slump. I think he scored 17 against the Cajuns. He didn't do, I think he didn't do much um, against Alabama. Uh, there's a guy named Jones. I think his nickname is Turbo, who's actually picking up some of the scoring for them at guard. Some of their guards are pretty strong. They drive through the glass. Their forwards are Howell and a freshman named Ormiston. And they both are scoring well. Uh, both had two threes against Troy. Howell was a pretty good rebounder at ULM before he transferred. He was eight a game. This year, he's only around six a game, so I'm sure they'd prefer him to rebound better. And uh, they play seven guys, but the two guys off the bench score a lot of points, and they pretty much uh, play as much as the starters. So the number of players we're going to play against the Jags is pretty similar to us, but, you know, we, we need more from our bench that we see in some games in order to match them to have success. Uh don't see them out rebounding us. They've got strong guards. If you see them score, they'll probably score at uh, at mid range. Well, how do you see that game, Craig? Well, I think it's one of those things with uh, with with South Alabama. I think it's they bring in new guys every year. They get transfers every year. It takes them a while to gel and to figure out their game. And then when they do figure out their game, they go on a little run. And then somebody figures out how to stop them from their run, and it seems like everybody copies it. It uh, uh, Coach Marlin has has had very good success against Rich Riley, their coach. That was at uh, Nichols for a while, so uh, or one season. Uh, so I, I, 
this to me is a typical Jags team. So, but it's one of those things that they can beat you if they play well and you don't play well. Yeah, they made 11 threes against Troy. Remember, they're playing a traditional rival and that game goes down to the wire. So even though they didn't win, they may have gotten a little confident in themselves that they figured it out. Last year's team did exactly what you talked about for Troy, for South Alabama. They were sort of up and down. But at the end of the season, other than the Cajuns, I think there's no doubt they were the best team in the league because they had the uh, big guy Samuel inside. And, uh, you know, so that could happen again. Yes. Uh, uh, and, again, I mean, if they get on that run and they start playing well, it, it's, hard, it's hard to beat them. Okay. So uh, that's the uh, – that's the, the next two games. Uh, the league's halfway through right now, and most teams have played nine games. How do you see it, uh, the way the conference season's gone so far? Well, I I think any Cajun fan has to be uh, be excited about this team at 6-3 and three in conference play, in my opinion. Uh, fourth or tied for third in the league with James Madison. You know, I've talked to several people that I thought about before, right as conference play started, I thought App State was the best team in the league. Right now, they're showing that. They beat James Madison twice. Uh, we're going to see uh, App State in, a, in in the next couple of weeks, I believe, uh, on the road. Late, there, late so. February or mid-February. Okay. So a little bit further away, uh, a little bit more time for this team to gel. Um, I don't know that there's a whole lot of surprises except for maybe – uh, South Alabama being at three and six, a little bit surprised. Not Georgia Southern is at five and four, and you know I think they were zero and thirteen coming in the uh, in in the conference play. Yeah, so they, my understanding is their three balls started falling. They take a lot of threes and they started to make some shots. So uh, you know that can and, come and go. And, and that's a team we don't play this year. So. Uh, uh, I, I don't get a chance to watch them a lot with, with the other games being on TV. Um, I don't know, man. You got you got us, James Madison, Southern Miss, Marshall, all bunched up right there. There's a lot lot of basketball left to be played. Yeah. The, well, key to, the key is to get them in those first four spots. Yeah, no doubt. Well, James Madison and Troy uh, – or, or, or I guess uh, – no, I'll go back. James Madison – and Marshall and Southern Miss, the teams we're tied with. If you look at the conference standings and the conference website, the Cajuns are in there maybe third. That's not really uh, pertinent. That's just because they have the best overall record. If it comes down to tiebreakers, it'll come down to how well you did against your those opponents. And losing James Madison and Marshall could hurt us. However, um, Troy's in second place with only two losses there, the big surprise. I don't know why did people were surprised they were going to beat um, – People in eight place because you know they have Scott Cross, they're a good coach. They force a lot of turnovers. Now they have played a lot of home games. Coach Marlin mentioned that in an interview I heard with Kevin Foote this morning. Troy's got a lot of road games coming up, so and we still have more road ge- home games left. We have five at home and four on the road. Some of the other teams that we're tied with sort of have the opposite approach, and the home teams have been doing pretty well. You know, our three-game win streak. Uh, I guess we and App have been the best in the road so far. Uh, so the home road thing could. could something to watch as we go deep into the season. Kevin Foote had an article this morning and he discussed it with Coach Marlin in his interview as well, where generally the teams that were picked high in the league, other than Troy, are doing well. The teams that were picked low in the league are struggling. So the uh, preseason predictions in this case were pretty close. You know, Troy Troy is, is one of those teams I'm surprised at, but then to your point, 
I remember that uh, Cross is there. So Coach Cross, who I think is a very good coach. And then I'm going like, okay, well, that makes sense. And then when I watched them play, I was a little surprised they lost the first game to South Alabama. But uh, they came back and won the second game. So Troy is a bit of a surprise, but shouldn't be a surprise, I guess, to your point. And we played them at home. Uh, so we'll get a chance to um, <clears throat> maybe rebound from when we had 20 turnovers. We played them the first time in the last week of the season. I think that's the Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to say the date here. I think it's the 28th, Wednesday the 28th. That could be a huge game. Could be a huge game. You remember that we had a little bit of the flu bug going around then too, not making excuses for the team, but uh, Katinje was not at his best that game. So hopefully you're right. Got to cut down the turnovers and, and hopefully pull that one out. Yeah. Well, in order for that game to be important, to be huge, we've got to continue to have success. And let's hope it starts this weekend. I mean, that's this middle of the week. Wednesday, that's tomorrow. It's not a Thursday, Saturday break. It's a Wednesday, Saturday. And um, next week will be Wednesday, Sunday. It'll be a Wednesday against Georgia State, I believe, and then uh, Bowling Green on the Sunday. Still don't have a game time for that one, unless you do. I do not, and I keep meaning to ask people, and I keep forgetting. So uh, I'll try to follow up on that this week, and if and uh, hopefully the the team announces it so we so that we can bring it in. So, Mike, any final thoughts before we sign off for the day? Yeah, uh, my final thought is if you honor Don Brown. Want to honor Don Brown, get to the game because he loved basketball. Absolutely. Thanks for bringing that up again, Mike. Uh, very sad news. I know we're all going to go at some point, so, but uh, it's never easy, especially if, if, if it's, it's one of your friends so, or family. Right, so, so. No problem. Uh, look forward to discussing what will hopefully be some more successful games next week. Come out and see this team. They're very exciting. Um, you may get frustrated at times, but at the same time, a win is a win. There's no such thing as an ugly win. So come out and watch them play. When I, people ask me what I expect to see, I, I say, Kate, promise it will be successful. Any college basketball, anybody can beat anybody. But I can promise you this. The team's going to play hard almost every minute they're on the floor. Uh, they're going to generally be well prepared. Our assistant coaches do a great job scouting our opponents. We pretty much know what they're going to do. And they're gonna, the team's going to pull for each other. You'll see that on the bench when someone they want each other to have success. So you'll see those three things. They'll play hard, they'll uh, pull for each other, and they'll be well prepared. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks again. We'll talk again next week. I'll see you at the game Wednesday night. Uh, for Mike Bear, I'm Craig Malawson. You've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking basketball, raging Cajun basketball. Thanks for listening. Thank you. I got to find the stop button. I'll have to cut that out. I moved my thing around to make to bring up more computer screen. And now the. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.